Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. talked about over these several past several weeks a quick recap we see in the very beginning in the book of acts one uh, we see where, where where they're given instruction to go up into this room and don't leave until jesus sends somebody well, who is this somebody he sends the holy spirit and once the holy spirit comes upon them they they leave 120 of them leave this place the upper room and all of a sudden they go out and it's during one of the major festivals in the land at the time and, and, and they go out, and, and we never hear anything great about Peter preaching in the entire New Testament until this very moment. So they go out, and, and, and there's people from different lands and different areas, and they're speaking different languages. And Peter all of a sudden stands up there and sticks his chest out and began preaching like nobody's business. A major revival happened. He was speaking languages, and they were understanding the languages. He was speaking languages he didn't know. They were understanding it. And they were interpreting it. People came to Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it was about 3,000. All because of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then after that, they grow, and, and, and he's preaching and, and carrying on, and then he, they face a little bit of opposition. The religious leaders at the time are like, hey, what's going on? You know, we need to go see the council. And the council, he goes before the council, and, and, and they're like, hey, man, you can't be preaching this Jesus stuff. The dude is dead. We were there. We killed him. And Peter's like, no, I just was, he was just hanging out with us. We were just hanging out with him. No, no, he is resurrected. No, 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 you got to stop preaching that, Peter, or else we're going to throw you behind in jail or maybe even kill you. But, preacher, but Peter, in his, his boldness, continues to preach Jesus. And as a result, 5,000 men were added to the number. That didn't include women and children. So, so scholars say the estimate at the time was probably somewhere around 8,000 or more people are now believers after he faced the persecution. Why? The Holy Spirit was upon him. And so then after that, after that, they're growing by leaps and bounds. They're almost about 8,000 or more. And all of a sudden, you all know when we get too big, things happen. And so something happened there. Where, where, where all the believers were, were really believing in this thing, this new movement of Christianity. And so they decided, you know what? This is too good. I don't want to let it die. Let's sell all of our possessions, share them together to help build this movement, to help build the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, one guy whose name was Barnabas was so zealous that he sold his land and gave it. He was like, I'm on fire for Christ. I'm going to sell this land so that the kingdom can continue. But then there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira fire they said wait a minute they're praising Barnabas we want some of that praise 
And so they did the same thing Barnabas did. They sold their land, but they lied about how much they made. They said, we sold our land and we gave y'all all the money. Lied. And Peter reminds them, you know what? You didn't lie to me. That's the thing. You can lie to me and it could be kept secret forever. But when you try to lie to the Holy Spirit, oh, he's going to catch you. And because you lied and tried to deceive the Holy Spirit, bow, you're dead. And where your wife at? Were you a part of this? Yes, you're dead. So that's the faith. The first time they faced this, 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 this little bit of opposition and challenges in a growing church. But guess what happened? You would think that people would run off like, man, Jesus, kill him, folk. He back at it again. God wiping out nations. Here he is again. Vengeance is mine. Says, he's, I'm, I'm not part of that. I ain't even mess with that. But no, the very opposite thing happened. The church again, what? Grew and got stronger. So much so that there was another issue that the early church faced. There were a whole bunch of them now together, speaking different languages, former Jews, Hebrews, all together in, 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 in one group. And, and, and then there's a group of widows that were sort of overlooked. They were getting smaller rations of food. And so they chose a man, and the Bible says this, they chose a man full of the Holy Spirit, and his name was Stephen, to be the leader who would kind of hand out the rations so that it, was be, it would be in fair portions. And the church, once again, grew. Watch what happens next. And then we'll talk about what I want to talk to you all about today. Stephen, who was doing so wonderful, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, is now killed. They stone him. But before they stone him, Stephen tells these religious leaders about their history. He reminds them of their history, of their past, and he corrects them. He, he points out their flaws and how much they are the real hypocrites of the time. And, and they're so mad and they're so furious. They're, they're, they're shaking their fists, which is just the equivalent of sticking up the middle finger at them, saying, you, you shame on you ah, because the truth hurts so bad, we're going to kill you. And so they kill Stephen. You would think. Man, they're killing folk. Okay, now it's not just God killing folk. Now we've got the religious leaders who have all the power in the world, in my mind, in my eyes. They're going to kill me. You would think that people would like, you know what? I'm not being a part of that. It ain't even worth it. Listen, I got a family. I got kids. I got a job. I got a pension. I'm not going to risk all of this stuff trying to continue to follow this thing called Christianity. No, the Bible says the church continued to grow. And it's not a result of the work of man. It's all a result of what? Of who? The Holy, Sp- Holy Spirit. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I want to tell you about this one man who, who signed literally the death certificate for Stephen and others. It was a man by the name of Saul. You'll hear more about him later. Who was in 100% agreement for the death of this man, Stephen, the very first believer in the movement to be executed. Today, I want to focus my time and attention in the book of Acts and a little bit of nine. And my focus of my scripture today, of my, of my message from God is this, come and go. Jesus' entire ministry was built upon two words, 
come and go. The book of Acts 8 opens up saying this very thing. And Saul continued to persecute the Christians. Matter of fact, he went as far as going to the higher ups in the government saying, can you sign this decree giving me permission to kick in doors for anybody who says they're a believer of this man, Jesus? And they signed it. He was kicking in doors, taking even kids to jail. Nobody who said they were a believer was free from the persecution of this man named Saul. But, oh, let me tell you, we serve a big God who can change anybody. He can change the blackest heart in the world. He can change the hardest heart in the world. He can change anything, anybody, any way, and use you to do what he needs you to do to build up his kingdom and to fulfill his mission. Mike Breen says it this way. He's a great writer, a, a, a guy here, Mr. Mike Breen. He says this. He says, Jesus frames his ministry around two big words, come and go. Everything starts with come and ends with go. Am I right about it? When he went out looking for the 12, he says, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. Drop your nets and come. If somebody needed healing, come. Somebody needed him, Come. Come with me, but it ends with go. He's not going to transform you, and then that's it. He's transforming you for a purpose, and that is his purpose to fulfill his mission here on earth. So when he says, come, oh, that ain't it. When you accept Christ into your life, that's only the beginning. It's not it. Oh, I got Jesus. Everything is good. No, you've got work to do, so you have to go. It starts with come and ends with go. Go is your instructions for what you're supposed to do here on earth. And I want to give you three examples of three people in chapter 8 and 9 that God said to go and it forever changed our faith as we know it today. I want to start off in, in, in Acts. If you have your Bible, you can meet me there. Um, it may not be in your notes. I tricked y'all this week. I didn't, I didn't pacify y'all. I, I said I'm going to make them flip some pages or flip their, uh, you know, your, your, your Bible app if you have it, whatever you have. Meet me in Acts 8. The very first example I want to share with you is Acts 8, 4 through 12. I'm not going to read it all, but we'll, I'll just kind of summarize it. Philip is preaching in, in Samaria, and there's this guy there named Simon. Simon was a very popular person in the land. He was a sorcerer. They knew Simon as a sorcerer. He was a healer. He was, he was very popular, but he wasn't a believer, right? And so, so, so Philip is preaching. He's going in, and he encounters Simon. And, and Philip preached so well, he converted Simon. Now, let me tell you about Philip. A lot of people may get Philip confused with one of the apostles whose name was Philip, but no, this is a different Philip. The Bible says clearly right here, but, the, but it says right here uh, in, in, in 8, it says, watch this, it says, but the believers who were scattered, the believers, start right there, who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Now watch this. Philip, for example, this is how I know he wasn't one of the apostles. He was one of the believers. In other words, he was just a regular person who decided in their heart, I believe everything that they're saying about this man, Jesus, and I want to be a part of it. Philip, one of the believers, a regular person like you and I, no special title, no special creed, no special background, a regular person like you and I is the one who changes this well-known sorcerer in the land. 
but this is not where it ends. This is where it starts. If you jump down with me here to 26, Acts 8, 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord. Remember, Philip's just a regular guy. He's like you and I. He's just a believer sharing the gospel like we were supposed to do. Acts 26. As Philip, an angel for the Lord, said to him, he says what? Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and he met a treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the candidate of the queen of Ethiopia. Look at that. He says, go. He tells Philip, go south. I've read and exegeted this text as much as I could, meaning I went and studied this text as deep as I could, and I had to understand, did Philip ever go south before? Once I found out Philip was just like you and I, had he ever traveled south before? And nowhere in my studies did it show that he was familiar with that path or the, or the road to where God told him to go. He was just obedient to God, and he went. Here's the second part. The eunuch from Ethiopia traveled over 500 miles to worship in the temple with these believers. Let me say that again. Maybe y'all ain't getting that because some of y'all complained about traveling 20 miles. The Ethiopian eunuch traveled 500 miles just to worship. And on his way, he's in his chariot, and he's reading scripture. He don't know what he's reading. Philip, who was commanded to go south, overhears him reading scripture. And he, stays, he doesn't know why God says go south. He hasn't figured it out yet. But I'm, he's like, I'm just going to be obedient. You said go south, cool, I'm just going to go. Maybe I'll find a beach or something. I'm just going to kick it. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going south. South is where everybody, the birds go south, I'm going south too. All right, we're going to do it. So he decides, I'm going to go south. No reason, doesn't know why. And he goes there, and he's like, okay, I'm south. I'm I'm like, I'm here. What what is it you want from me, Lord? And all of a sudden, here comes the Ethiopian. And he just so happens, the Bible says, he just so happens to get wind of of what the Ethiopian is reading. And he decides, you know what? Whoa, wait a minute. This is why God wants me here. Let me explain to you, Mr. Eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, what you're reading. And he begins to explain that particular scripture, which is Isaiah, uh, uh, about what he's reading so that he could understand it with clarity. As a matter of fact, the Ethiopian was looking for it. Because here's what happens. Just like you and I sometimes we go to church, we hear scripture, and that's it. Pastor, man, that was a good word, man. You know, that's a, that's a good word, man. But we don't go home and kind of study it for ourselves. Not, not you, your, your neighbor. Not you. Y'all, y'all are Bible readers. I get that. Y'all are scholars up in this place. Theologians. But many Christians, I know because I used to trump Christians and trick Christians all the time when I wasn't a Christian with the very Bible that, that many don't read. And this Ethiopian who drove 500 miles to worship did not understand the scripture he'd been reading. Somebody had been reading it to him, sharing it with him, but nobody ever broke it down and says, this is how it applies to your life, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch. But, oh, God sends the right person at the right time to interpret it and explain it in a way that causes transformation. 
And this is what he did with, with, with Philip. Philip heard him. He says, let me explain it. He explains the scripture. What's the next thing the eunuch does? Because see, Philip didn't stop there. He didn't just explain the scripture. He says, if you believe everything I just told you in, in, in what we believe in our faith, you, you got to be baptized like Jesus. And, and the Ethiopian didn't even challenge it. You know, Philip challenged it. Philip was kind of like, well, we don't got no baptism pool, and, and, and the Walmart ain't open so I can get a swimming pool to dump you in. So, I mean, what, I don't, you know, and the, and the eunuch is like, dude, there's like a puddle right here. Whatever we got to do, I want this. Just dip me in the puddle. I don't know what's in the puddle. It could be, my, it could be all kind of mites and all kind of bacteria, but listen, I want Jesus so bad, dip me right here. And what I'm saying to you all is that the church today needs that type of revelation in our lives. That when we receive the word of God, we don't need to wait for instructions. Let me have the next step now. I don't need to sit through an orientation. I don't need to sit through. I don't want to go through your classes. Hook me up now. I'm desperate for that. And that's this Ethiopian who traveled 500 miles to worship and encountered Stephen, I mean, Philip on the road, who helped him understand the scripture so well that he says, baptize me now. Let's not wait. I want to be right. Anybody in here feel like they need to be right? I know me. That's me. That's example one. Here, here's the second example. This is, this is good. So, so now the Ethiopian eunuch was a very important figure. And that's the other thing. I forgot to mention that. You know, God will hook you up with people that are very important, that can make major decisions in the land, people that are disconnected. Watch this. Some of y'all are working for CEOs that don't know Christ. Now, now don't get fired on my account. But if y'all just so happen to be at the company picnic... And that person don't say, Grace, ask your CEO, can I bless your food for you? Just start right there. I don't think he'll fire you for blessing his food at the company picnic. You will know who they are. God will strategically set you up with that. There's been burdens in your life where God has called you to do something, but you kept your mouth shut. And as a result, somebody missed grace because of you. That hurts, doesn't it? We can't, we, listen, we have to be bold about our faith. God will intentionally set you up with somebody for a reason, and you've got to be obedient. And in order to be obedient, if you look at the word obedient, I've said this so many times, but I love it because it's true. If you look at the word obedient, right in the middle of the word, there are three, there's a three-letter word there, and it's D-I-E, die. In order to be obedient, you have to die to your own self-desires, to your own self-know-it-all, to your own self in order to be obedient. I don't think God made that word that way on accident. To be obedient, you've got to die in order to live. All right, that's, that's another sermon. I'm, I'm going to preach that another day. So, so here's the second person. That, 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 there's the second thing that happens. So then there's this other guy named Ananias. Now, apparently Ananias is a popular name at the time, I'm guessing, because it's like, is this the same dude? And I thought, I thought it was. I thought it was the same Ananias. But when I did my biblical and exegetical study, I realized it's not the same person. Unlike some of the Bible is written, like the Bible, some of you may not know, it's not written in chronological order. But unlike the rest of the Bible that may not be written chronologically, the book of Luke is, is a proven continuation. I mean, the book of Acts is a proven continuation of the book of Luke. 
So there is no pause. There is no out of line. Acts is written exactly how it was supposed to be written, in order. So this is a different Ananias, a whole different guy. It confused me for years because I thought it was the same deal. I thought God killed this guy. Now he's back. He resurrected him. But no, this is a different person altogether. So God sees this guy, Ananias. Ananias is, the Bible tells us he's a believer too. He's just a regular guy. He sins. He says, listen, Ananias, I need you to do me a favor. Ananias is like, here I am. Lord, what do you need me to do? He says, uh, I want you to go down to Tarsus, and I need you to deliver a message to this guy, Saul. Ananias is like, you talking about like the Saul? Like the kicking in the door Saul? Like the one that took my cousin's kids to jail Saul? The one who killed Stephen Saul? That Saul? Literally, he asked just like that. And God says, yes, that's all. I need you to deliver this message to him for me. Bible says, he told him, he says, go, watch this. If you have your Bible, meet me over in Acts again. This time I want you to meet me, uh, Acts 9. We're going to jump over to 9. And I'll read some of that for you. Meanwhile, starting with verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager. He was eager, anxious, couldn't wait, wanted to just, mm, he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, which is now what we call Christianity. He wanted to bring them, both men, women, uh, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus, On this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. Now get up and watch this. What does he say? Now get up and say that with me. Come on, say it with me. Now get up and what? Go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. That's the second account of where God tells somebody in this book to go. Isn't it crazy? The very person that's persecuting his people, he says, go. Let me continue on. So he tells him to go. Let's jump down to 10. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street. Isn't that interesting? What is the name of a street? Straight Street. It ain't crooked. It ain't messed up. It's straight. It's right. Go over to the right street. Yeah. To the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus by the name of Saul. He was praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him. Now, let, 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 let me go back here. Two times he tells Ananias to go. Watch this. The first time he says, the Lord said, where? Go over to Straight Street. That's the first one. Here's the second account. Skip on down, skip on down. And Ananias is trying to say, no, I can't go. This dude is crazy. He might kill me. You sure, God? All of that stuff. Jump down to 15. But the Lord said, again, here it is. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Ooh, that's powerful. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument 
to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Go. Go. Imagine, if you will, if Ananias was like really hard-headed. Imagine if he was like, I don't care what you say unless you literally pick me up, God, and drop me in front of this dude. I'm not going. Do you know how our faith would have changed? I'm sure that God would have used another. But imagine in this moment if Ananias, with everything in him, resisted and refused. So much would have changed. Paul, Saul, would have never, ever converted. So anyway, just to wrap that story up, and then I want to give you some notes. He goes to see Saul. And Saul is waiting. Saul is praying. He's like, I just met Jesus. He's praying. He goes and see him. He does what he needs to do. Paul is not, Saul is now converted. He goes through the baptism. He does everything. Now he is baptized, not even just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that most of the New Testament is written by this man, Paul, the one who persecuted Christians, the one who broke, who, who, who kicked in doors, arrested people, the one who signed the death certificate for Stephen. And God says, I want to use him. Do you know how important Ananias' role was in making that happen? Here's what I want to tell you if you're taking notes. Here's what I need to tell you if you are taking notes. God says, go. Here's what I want to tell you. Your destiny is discovered when God says go. Your destiny is discovered when God says go. Now, here's the thing. Go is not pretty. I'm just going to be honest. When God told me to go, it wasn't pretty. Like go, leave the lifestyle that I have. And go and pastor a church, leave the lifestyle that I have, which is comfortable, which is good. We got insurance. We can take vacation. Leave that and pastor the church. But what am I, how am I going to pay my bills? Go. But God, I'm not that gifted of a speaker. Go. But, but, but God, I know nothing about pastoring the church. I know I went to seminary, but it was a personal gain. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I sent you to seminary. You thought you wanted to learn something, but you were there to meet me face to face for an assignment that I have for you for a later time. Now, Broderick, go. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good. As a matter of fact, when I stepped out and I went and God said, go, First thing I was told, my whole entire board at the time left. I was told my preaching sucked. I was told people couldn't stand up under my leadership because I didn't seem like I was knowing what I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I said, I don't. That's why I need you. And a church that was filled with about 175 people went down to about 12, and they moved here to Mableton with me. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good. It hurt. Hurt really bad. But because I died to how I felt, and became alive to what Jesus wanted. You are now in a church called Mosaic Church. And I am your pastor. Go. God could be telling you to go somewhere that's foreign to you. God could be giving you vision after vision after vision of a place that you've never been before. 
but you're looking at your finances, you're looking at your job set, you're looking at your skill set, and you're like, God, <laughs> I think I'm just fantasizing. God's like, no, baby, this is the vision I have for you. Now, the difficult part about going is not knowing what's on the other end. The difficult part about stepping out there and going is not knowing what the outcome will be. See, God gives us vision, but he doesn't give us the details. He gives us all vision. And I think if he gave us details, it's easy for any of us to go, right? If he gives us the details, you know, like, oh, if I go this way, I know exactly what's going to happen. But watch this. If he gave you the details, it would be too easy and you wouldn't have to use what we call faith. And God wants us to rely on faith. And faith is all about believing in him, not on you. None of us are skilled enough, good enough, rich enough, pretty. Well, some of y'all are pretty enough. But nonetheless, we are not enough of anything to do exactly what God wants us to do on our own merit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So when God says, go, you just, you don't worry about the outcome. Let him do that. You have to trust him. It may not look good. It may not feel good. mm, I just saw God gave me just something in my spirit. Some of y'all need to go from some relationships you're in right now. Oh, man, I I wrote something the other day on Instagram. The very thing that, 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 watch this, the very thing that's killing you may kill you to give up. The very thing that's killing you right now may kill you to give up, but that's the only way you can live. You've got to go and give it up. You may be in a bad relationship with someone right now. You need to go. You may be at a company that you just, it's got you stressed out. You've got ulcers. You've got headaches you've not had before. Your health is deteriorating. You need to go. Oh, my goodness. I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't, it, is depo- it was deposited in my spirit right now in that moment. You need to go. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. When you go, miracles occur on the road to your destiny. Miracles occur on the road to your destiny. The Bible tells us that Philip was asked to go. In any of my studies, never did I understand that he understood what the road south meant or looked like. A very miracle occurred on this very road. He encountered a eunuch who was speaking, a very important man, mind you. Watch this. In a chariot. It's not easy for anybody to approach. Approaching that chariot will be like one of us running up to the presidential motorcade. You will be shot on the spot. Am I right about it? I dare you. Oh, Obama, pop, pop. Mm. And that was the same reaction to like, oh, a eunuch, pop, pop. He would have been killed. This is a very important uh, leader at the time. He's the treasurer of Ethiopia. Y'all know what treasure means. He's over the money. So he's guarded like nobody's business. And this man is able to get close enough to him to interpret the scripture to him. Miracles happen (laughs) when you're on the road to your destiny. Paul, who was on the road getting ready to persecute some Christians, was blinded. And all of a sudden, when he went where he had to go and encountered Jesus, those scales came off. That's a miracle to be blinded in the scales. Literal scales came off of his eyes. Some of y'all When you get on that road to discovering your destiny, the scales of this world will fall off of your eyes and you will truly see what God wants you to do, not what you think you want to do. Some of us are walking around blind right now. Our life is routine and mundane. 
It's just what we do. We get up in the morning, alarm clock goes off, I shower, I brush my teeth, I go to work, and after I'm done with work, I have lunch at such a time. After that, I go back in my car, I may go to the gym, then I go back home and I sit, kiss the wife, we eat down, sit down and eat dinner, and then we do it all over again tomorrow. And many of our lives are filled that way. And it's good because, you know, what, what keeps you going is not the fact that you love the job that much. It's the paycheck that comes with the job that you love that much. You know your bill is going to be paid this month. But God is saying, I want something way more for you. I want those very scales that are on your eyes to fall just like they did for Paul. I mean, for, for, for Saul. I want them to fall off of your eyes so that you can really see the you that I see in you. I want you to see what I have for you. I want you to see what your true destiny is. Paul thought his true destiny, because of his pedigree, he's from, he's a direct descendant from the tribe of Benjamin. He is one of the higher ranking Pharisees or Sadducees of the time. He is an important somebody. He must be if they say, Can, do you agree with us killing this man? He was somebody. And he could prove that he was somebody just by looking at his pedigree. Check my birth certificate and see who my great-great-granddaddy name was. I am somebody. And so my destiny must be tied to who my people were. But God says, no, son, your destiny is tied to who I say you are. Matter of fact, let me change your name from Saul to Paul because you are going to be the very one who reaches out to people that are unreachable because of your people. On the road, Paul discovered his destiny and literally gave his life for it. And that was to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we read in this whole New Testament where we read Colossians and theologians and uh, theolo- Colossians and, uh, yeah, that's why I said it, right? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the church in Thessalonica and, and Corinthians and, 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 and the church in, 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 uh, in Philippia. These are all churches that Paul launched that helped continue the message to the ends of the earth. Miracles happen on the road to your destiny. But here's what I want to tell you. If you don't step out there, you'll never experience that miracle. You can write in your journal all day. You can write. You can make as many vision boards as you want. There'll just be nice posters hanging on your wall unless you do something about it. Ouch. Amen, somebody. I know the women's group is doing that. I'm not talking to y'all. Our women's group is currently doing a, a, a vision board. I'm not talking to y'all. Y'all are not the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about me and others who made these vision boards, but it doesn't line up with the vision or plans that God had for us. Here's my final point, and we're dismissed. Your destiny is discovered when God says go. Oh, there's some notes I left out there. The unknown can be scary, but trust God. Let you know the unknown can be scary, but trust God. Here's the other thing you got to do. You do what is natural. Let God do the supernatural. Those are your notes in point one. You do what is natural. What's natural is for you to just get up and go. Everything else that happens along the way, that's the supernatural, and let God do that. All the stuff that you think is impossible, that's supernatural. That's God. That's the, the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Here's my third point. Sorry about that, y'all. I missed those points. Here you go. God may use you to reveal someone's destiny. God may use you to reveal someone's destiny. <laughs> now, I don't need nobody in here being false prophets. You know, I've had some false prophets prophesy over my life. 
one of the funniest prophecy stories I've ever heard was my friend. He and his wife were expecting their first child, and they went to a church, and the, and the, and the pastor was there, and, and uh, she's just like, oh, you know, oh, God, 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 you know, is going to bless you, and, you know, I'm a prophetess. And she laid her hands on, their, on the wife's belly. She says, oh, God is telling me, who I see a very powerful and strong baby boy in there. Ooh, I see it. Now, the family hadn't done the little sonograms. They didn't know the sex yet. So, 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 pastor put the hands on the belly. Oh, you got a strong baby boy. Oh, whew. yeah, strong. He's going he's to change the world. And she, get, she went in and prophesied, even laid oil on him. The following week, they went in for the sonogram, and something was missing. It was a girl. <laughs> you got to beware of false prophets. And so when I say that, God may use you to reveal someone else's destiny. Let God use you. Don't you try to do it yourself. He will use you. He will send somebody right before you. I mean, and, and you won't know how it is. This is, this is how you know it's God. Because you don't know this person, but you know all their business. You don't know this person, but there is just a burden over you to share with them and give them something. That's when you know it's God. Look at Philip and this eunuch. He revealed the eunuch's destiny. He encountered this guy just on a road. He followed God. God says, go. He went. He encountered the eunuch. Now the eunuch's destiny has changed. I firmly believe that he went back and transformed and trans the lives of so many people that he encountered. This very important religious leader. I firmly believe that. Why? Because he's transformed. If we read the Bible, every believer that became a believer helped somebody else become a believer. So I, I, I guarantee that this unit went back and was like, yo, you need to get some of this Jesus. This stuff is good. No, you can't buy it. No, this is good stuff. You just got to receive it. I guarantee he helped other believers become believers. Ananias. Listen to this. Ananias was just a believer. He was probably chilling, sharing the gospel. Like, man, this is so great. I'm sharing the gospel. This Jesus stuff is good. We're selling stuff. We're hanging out with people. And all of a sudden, God says, go and meet with the most wretched man in the land. So here in this moment, Ananias' destiny is discovered. But then God says, I want you to go talk to Paul because I need you to tell him what his destiny is. And that's part of why we do what we do here with 301. It's to kind of align you up with your calling, which is connected to your destiny. That's what 301 does. Y'all think we're trying to teach y'all what God wants y'all to do to serve Mosaic Church? Oh, shoot, no. We're setting you up for what your destiny ultimately is, what God has programmed into your very DNA. And as the shepherd of this house, I want to make sure that when you leave this house, you are prepared to do what God needs you to do in this world that would edify and build up the kingdom of God. This is why we do 301. Now we've got that out the air. Those who haven't attended, go. <laughs> Seriously, he revealed his destiny. Both of these people were regular people. Both. Philip. And Ananias. They weren't leaders. They weren't pastors. They weren't preachers. They were regular people. Why do I say that? The lives that are changed in this community, in your community, 
at your job, in your family, it's not going to come from pastor. My visiting folk, it's not going to come from your pastor. The lives that are changed are going to be a result of you. You, regular people, just like these guys, like Ananias and Philip. But it requires you to move when God says move. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.